people can only be suppressed for so long. You know, their voices and their truth and their insight can be, you know, disregarded for so long. So it behooves us as a society to, at the very least, and we're talking the most basic thing you can do, listen to each other and and listen to each other with, I think, the spirit of, of understanding. You may not completely understand it, and ultimately, some things just don't make sense. I think we we understand that too. But to to have an open mind and an open heart uh, doesn't mean you you just immediately accept what another person says, but you give them the respect to acknowledge their story and, and to listen to their story. And until they show otherwise, you know we sh- we operate as such. You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swinefort. Hey, everybody. Stu here with another great episode of Relish This. At Relish Studio, we like to think of marketing as relationship building, and there's no better way to slam the brakes on creating a bond than asking too much too soon. Today's guest is David Fakunle, the executive director of Wombwork Productions. His organization is doing some great work in the Baltimore area and in the rest of Maryland to help heal and empower youths, families, and communities through the performing arts. David's team fosters social change through storytelling, and they have a really great handle on what it takes to build trust and relationships through mutual value exchanges across all their stakeholder connections. This is a really fun episode, and I hope you really enjoy it. Here we go. David, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you. For uh, my pleasure. It's a, a beautiful day here in Nederland, Colorado, which is up in the mountains. And you are coming to us from, from Baltimore today, right? That is correct. Now, I really haven't been out my house today. It's been chilly for the past week or so. Um, I tell you, Maryland weather is is unlike anything I've ever experienced, and I'm biased. I'm, I'm from Maryland, born and raised. But it can be 30 degrees and snow in one day, and the week can end with ha, That's funny. It's kind of like that here. Uh, we usually have a more of a dry um, cold, however. So I, I know that, that you know, when, when that fog and, and damp weather settles into Baltimore, it can get a little chilly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, our winters have been relatively mild uh, for the past few years. You know, once in a while we'll get some snow, nothing serious. Uh, but this, it's, it's been particularly cold for the past week or so. I'm actually, uh, <laughs> nice. quite impressed. <laughs> I guess we well, it's uh, <laughs> holiday weather. We're recording this in late December, just before the new year, and it'll it'll air in um, in March. So maybe the, the weather, will, I'm sure, will be different at that point. So. Hopefully, <laughs> good yeah. stuff. Well, so, tell me a little bit about what you're up to at at um, at your organization. It's it's a really interesting. It's called Wombworks, right? Yeah, Wombwork Productions. So, uh, Wombwork has been around since 1997. It was started by three uh, black women uh, who are artists as well as mothers. And they established this organization out of concern for their children and other youth in Baltimore who didn't have a creative space. And, you know, during that time in the late 90s, uh, 
unfortunately, as is still the case now, we've we've had issues with violence in Baltimore City and youth uh, tend to be overrepresented, unfortunately, uh, in those statistics. So they wanted to create a safe space for their children and others uh, with a creative orientation. And what Woomworth does, it's a performing arts company. It uses utilizes primarily theater, but it utilizes other forms of performing arts like singing, dancing, uh, African drumming, other forms of uh, musical performance, and uses it to tell the truth and to really reflect the stories of the performers and the communities in which they live and work and play and operate. And it, it, it really touches on difficult societal issues. It, it, Woomwork has never shied away from those hard conversations. So when we talk about HIV AIDS, when we talk about gang violence, when we talk about drug use and abuse, when we talk about uh, sexual violence, uh, when, we, when we talk about uh, even COVID-19, Woomwork has been very proficient in conveying the importance of these issues, the relevance of these issues to local society as well as society at large in a creative manner that engages and empowers the audience. And I've been fortunate to be a part of Woomworks since I was 14 years old. Uh, I have been a performer the entire time and now I focus a lot of my energy on the administrative side as part of the directorship. So it's been a a long journey for me. Oh, well, that just, that all sounds really amazing. Are you, I mean, it sounds like you're really helping, helping kids have a, a creative outlet and, and a safe place to be able to, you know, to perform. Is that, is that kind of the, the thrust of it? Yeah, it, it, it really encourages kids to activate the power of their creativity and the power of their artistic talent. It, it never ceases to amaze me how many kids blossom, you know, through the programming of womb work. It's also about helping kids to understand uh, a better totality of what's going on in their world. So kids see a lot. They may not understand everything that they see. And really part of the responsibility of those who have lived before them is to give them some context and understanding about what's going on. And, you know, one thing that I think we've definitely learned in 2020, but have learned throughout our history is that there's a lot that we just don't know. And there's a lot of context that has been excluded from the circumstances of society. So Woolwork is is very proud of the fact that it gives kids and, and the audiences that they perform in front of uh, a larger view of the history and a larger view of the context about what's going on in our world. So when people ask what's wrong mm-hmm. with our world today, well, here you go. Here's the historical context that's going to give you a better understanding of, of how we've gotten to this point. But what I really appreciate about Woolworth's evolution is how it's focused on the positive aspects of humanity that we all possess. As difficult as it may be for us to accept that about each other, we do have these capabilities and these qualities within us. And part of our philosophy now is to help strengthen and acknowledge those uh qualities, which we call virtues, that we all possess. So no matter what the challenge is, and we, and we don't, we continue to not shy away from the challenges of society, we always aim for our performances to also show, here's what we can do about it. And here is the energy and the spirit in which we need to address these solutions in order for them to be long lasting 
and oh, that's, that's an, an incredible uh, way to frame that entire process in terms of, you know, yeah, it's, it's within, within this context of perhaps some negativity, but how can we foster action and, and positive change out, out of that and create those outcomes? <clears throat> that's really great. Are the kids themselves creating the material or, or, is, or are they, are they typically performing, you know, works that have, that have already been created? So typically the, the pieces are created okay. in a collective format. So that does include uh, wound work personnel, you know, many of us who started as kids, but, you know, have remained with the organization as adults. So we are, uh, some of the primary, I would say, uh, creators of the pieces that we do, as long as, you know, along with our uh, artistic director, uh, one of the co-founders who's been there from the very beginning. But when we go to schools and, and work with students and, and youth, we do present a space in which their insight and, and their wisdom can be uh, included in the pieces. And that also helps to build right. relevancy. You know, we, we know that the performances that we uh, do are relevant in a in a in a focused sense, but you know to really make it connect with that particular audience, particularly youth. And we know how mm -hmm. easy you can lose youth uh, in a lot of ways. It it helps to strengthen that relevance, and I think strengthening that uh, collective responsibility and just collective efficacy by having them contribute their insights to the creation of pieces. So even if we have a, a piece that we've done, we allow youth to add their nuances and, and their uh, you know, uh, particulars to a piece so that it becomes there. And, and um, I think that's definitely one of the hallmarks of wound work. You know, yes, we have directors, but it, it is definitely more of a collective operation and a collective process by which we get. Oh, that's, to the work that's that super. Um, what, what age range are you working with typically? And, and how are you, and you said you're going through the schools mostly to, to get in front of these kids. Yeah. So we have uh, three ensembles. So we have uh, next generation, which are our young kids. So that's about okay. five to 12. We have uh new generation, which are our teens. So that's about, 13 to 19 and then we have new world which are our adults okay. so uh, 20 and above uh, a lot of our engagement with youth in baltimore are through the schools so we have partnerships with various entities that are connected with the school system uh which uh contract us as an organization and, and our personnel to provide arts-based instruction uh to various schools around the city so, you know, one of the things that's been very beneficial for us in the past few years right. have been those opportunities to provide arts-based instruction uh, to students around the city through uh, various entities that have those relationships. But we also have our uh, typical rehearsal spaces. Uh, obviously, that's been uh, put on pause because of the pandemic. But uh, typically, we have youth who are just aware of uh, woodwork, who are part of the company, who uh, take part of, you know, in the different classes that we offer uh, on weekends. And then during the week, the ensembles uh, typically okay. use that time to just rehearse and to for performances that may, you know, be coming up. That's great. Is weekend. your, is your space, it's when, when we're not in the middle of, of a, a global pandemic, is it, it's open to the public in terms of there's ways for people to come in and, and 
and view um, your, the performances there, or are you engaging with other venues as well? Yeah, so we're typically nomadic uh, in, in the the presentation of our of our uh, art, but recently we have made some investments in uh, solidifying our black box theater. So we actually operate in the basement of a church. Uh, we we had that uh, connection uh, with one of the parishioners, and we're able to develop a relationship okay. uh, to use their space uh, for our uh, our organization, and we've been there. As long as I've been a part of the organization, so I'm going to say from the very beginning. Uh, but what we've been allowed to do is to, again, uh, make it more attractive to an audience so that we can have our performances within uh, the space. But typically, yeah, we are with if, with other venues, okay. uh, typically schools, other institutions and just kind of other spaces around the city and around the state of Maryland as well. Uh, but most of our, our work is okay, oriented great. to be <clears throat> Wow. That, that, sounds, that sounds great. It sounds like you guys have created a lot of really good partnerships along the, uh, you know, in, in the, how many years is that? 23 years you've been around. Um, so engaging in a, a variety of different, uh, you know, aspects in terms of getting access to the schools and being able to, to support their art efforts as well as just throughout the community, um, leveraging all of the all of the tools and assets that are just already in place there. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and, and it's been a process for sure. I think one of the pushbacks against wound work, particularly in its in its early days, was it was very <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> I'll put that nicely. Uh, you know, we are based in black philosophy, so we speak a lot to the circumstances of, of black people in the U.S., and, and that involves a lot of yeah. uh, troubling challenges. And we've never been hesitant to talk about those challenges when we talk about racism and, uh, and oppression and, and just suppression of, of voice and power. So I think that turned a lot of people off. You know, they didn't want a bunch of uh, putting in quotations, angry black folks uh, talking about everything that's wrong in society. Uh, but I think as as time has passed and as people have uh, achieved a greater acknowledgement of those challenges, they've looked at an organization like Woundwork, who has always been committed to talking about those issues and also being a part of the solution. So we've been able to develop collaborations with institutions that may have okay. previously not looked our way. And, and that's a big reason behind our growth. And I, I think because of the reputation that Woundwork has built, uh, not just uh, about addressing these issues and looking at these issues through a creative platform, but just being really good at the art that they produce has helped us uh, certainly over the past few years, uh, you know, when it comes to just expanding our opportunities within Baltimore, not just in terms of uh, right. performances, but also teaching, you know. Yeah, that's great. Do you, do you have kind of... Um, corporate partners as well, or where, where's most of your funding come from? So most of our funding is from uh, fee for service. So again, a lot of the organizations that we have relationships with uh, will contract us to provide uh, performances and arts-based instruction. We do get some funding from uh, philanthropic organizations in the city. As a matter of fact, uh, a couple of days ago, yesterday, we just received a uh, relatively big gift from a, uh, a philanthropic organization in a, in a city. Oh, wow. That's did awesome. Not apply for anything. 
it right it was given to us uh, uh part of the directorship emailed us that morning and showed us the check and was like okay That's it's, great. it's legit <laughs> um but one of the things that we want to do is to, is to strengthen our relationships with mm-hmm. uh, the philanthropic community. Uh, and they've been part of they, – they're having the important conversations. I'll put it that way. Uh, we know that there are definitely a lot of challenges and a lot of flaws within uh, philanthropic communities. And, and honestly, the, the nonprofit industrial complex, that's something that we have to, to navigate, You know, this constant need to ask people mm-hmm. to give us money to do what we do. But what has changed over time is, uh, again, a greater recognition of mm-hmm. why we do what we do and, and the methodology uh, with which we accomplish those goals. There's, there's been greater just acknowledgement and greater appreciation of that. And that's translated into more support. Uh, we can do a lot better. You know, yep. grant writing is its own beast. <laughs> you know, that's something that we're working on. Uh, but. One thing that I, I believe in personally and, and we believe in as an organization is having the opportunity to, to connect with the people behind these uh, organizations, behind these philanthropic spaces. You know, a, a lot of people are, are right. guilty of just seeing them as, as money backs, seeing them for what they can provide in terms of financial support. We recognize the importance of seeing the people that make those decisions. Uh, just a, a week ago, we had a, a great conversation with uh, the exec- executive director of uh, a couple of philanthropic uh, organizations, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, and, and we just talked. We just talked about what we do. We we talked about uh, why we do it. We we talk about some of the challenges that we face. And I was very, you know, very uh, intentional as as well as my colleagues right. about not at making an ask. You know, we we didn't want to ask for anything. We just wanted to have the opportunity to tell our story. And, and quite honestly, I I think that's more convincing than. That anything we could, you know, we can do. Uh, one of the challenges for us is how do we quantify, if we can quantify, uh, or best capture right. the impact that we make as an organization. Like we know we're impactful. We, you know, we wouldn't be around for twenty plus years if we weren't. And, and there are plenty of people, uh, you know, from kids who are now adults, you know, kids who are still kids, to organizations that will speak glowingly about us. But we know about, you know, we know that philanthropic organizations don't always appreciate mm-hmm. the stories. Mm-hmm. They, they want the statistics. They want the numbers. And that may run, and we've, you know, we've experienced that, and, and in a lot of ways we believe it, that runs counterintuitive to what we do as, as artists. You know, art right. isn't really right. qual- quantified. It's qualified. So how do, we, how do we convey that what we do works, and how do we convey it in a way that's respectful and appreciative of us but also shows return on investment for these philanthropic organizations. You know, one of the things I appreciate about my father is he taught me about investing at a young age. So I, I, I'm a big believer in return on investment. I get that. Uh, but what what is the language that we're using to show philanthropic organizations that, yes, you are getting a big return on investment, you know, by by supporting an organization like Woonwork and many others. Right. You know, in, yeah, it's always a challenge, I think, to try and figure out what <clears throat> what those stats are and how how to leverage that quantifiable component to tell that story. And my guess is um, that, you know, you're, you're among some of the, some of the success stories that have come out of the program, obviously. Um, and my guess is you can, you know, talk about how many kids you've, you've reached each year and, and, you know, how many people have seen your shows and, and things of that nature. Um, but to really get to that, 
to that important figure that that becomes that that hook in the story um, can be a real challenge when you're talking about uh, about things like like art. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I had this conversation. I uh, had the chance to talk to uh, another. Uh, representative from a, a philanthropic organization, and they've always been big supporters of Wormwork. And we had a very frank discussion about how to, again, really sell and, and convey our impact um, in, in the work that we do. And one of the things that I've been thinking about lately, uh, and, and I don't know why it took so long for, for me to kind of figure that out, to really emphasize the contributions to public health that our organizations uh, you know, right. engage in and, and really provide. I've been fortunate for the past couple of years uh, to, to work closely with the University of Florida and, and their Center for Arts and Medicine. And, and they have really been uh, leaders in showing the research, you know, consolidating the research and presenting opportunities for people to show that art and culture have a very important place within public health. A lot of cultures around the world utilize their art and utilize their creativity to address their issues when it comes to their health and well-being. It only seems to be a foreign concept in the United States and, and frankly, other Western westernized nations where art and culture and health are separated. Uh, But we're now seeing, I think, a growing movement of researchers, practitioners, artists, creatives, organizations that explicitly say what we do is beneficial to the health and well-being of the populations we serve. And we're using creative outlets by which to achieve those improvements in, in health and well-being. Woolwork has done that from the very beginning, but it's never called itself a public health organization. It's never looked to orient its impact in a public health context. And, and that's something that uh, me as a public health professional, I'm, I'm really starting to push and, and emphasize, you know, with our organization. So I was just looking up some old notes and we came up with three major points that wound work addresses in public health, behavioral health, mental health and health communication. That is what wound work has been doing from the very beginning. And to me, that presents opportunities to now speak to funders and supporters within the public health space to say, hey, look, you want to improve your return on investment. Don't just you know invest in researchers and, and invest in, in institutions, but invest in arts organizations that address public health on a very localized level, which we know is important for interventions and, and initiatives. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around how <clears throat> you guys can, can more effectively tell that story so that you, you, you know, get over that chasm of, of the challenge of explaining to people how there's, uh, you know, a measurable return, um, that may, may not be as measurable as, as they would like, but that, but there is a, a positive return on, on their investment in your program. It's, it's... Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's the frustration because my, my training and research, you know, I, I, I know a lot of the approaches that not just researchers take, but organizations take to mm-hmm. measure 
efficacy and efficiency, whether things work and if they work well. My my training has, you know, convinced me that the best way to really measure the impact of arts and culture organizations in public health would be to follow right. their participants over a long period of time. Call that a longitudinal study. Right. That's just not realistic. <laughs> you know, because people can go in an infinite number of directions with their lives after they interact with, with wound work. And because of how we interact and certainly I think the ways that we touch and affect students, we, you know, we're talking about mental health, emotional health, behavioral health. Those aren't things that you necessarily see easily. You have to follow the progression of a person to say, okay, at that point, this is kind of who they were. But then after they had some right. time and grew up, this is who they became. But the challenge with that is there are so many other factors that go into who a person becomes. It's it's near impossible to say because of their interaction with a wound word productions, they became this person. The, I think the most that we can say is that their interaction with Woomer Production gave them opportunities to, you know, strengthen these aspects of their health, their emotional health, their behavioral health, their uh, creative prowess, things like that. And because of existing research and, and certainly efforts that are out there, like with the University of Florida, we can say that relationship has typically shown a greater trajectory or a better trajectory for people who have this type of input. So to me, that's kind of the best way to, to show the efficacy and efficiency of, of what a wound word does is to say, okay, this is what we contribute. And we know in general, these types of opportunities and spaces for people correlate with these outcomes. So that's how we show that we, we make an impact uh, in the right. work that we do. But ultimately it's about the stories. And right. I always like that. You gotta tell the story. And I think most of my energy as a public health professional overall, not just with wound work, is to really show how powerful the stories are. That's the kind of data we should be looking at. The numbers and the statistics only tell us so much, but a person's story can give us so much context and so much insight. And quite honestly, it connects with us as human beings. So as people, we just kind of get it and we understand it's like, yeah, I can understand how something like that really changes you. Or, or makes you better in a lot of ways. We just need to accept that, you know. And, and you know, my my challenge is uh, convincing scientists, you know, and, and convincing researchers that okay, all the the learning that you did, you know, in, in undergrad and grad school and, and whatever else you you uh, may have done, all I need you to do is just be a human right. being, <laughs> and you'll understand this. So it, <laughs> that's a challenge, but uh, it's 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 been. It's been a good process. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with how people have resonated with the appreciation of story and, and storytelling. And, and I know that that will benefit Woolwork as well, because we have stories for days and, yeah. and weeks and months and years that we can tell. People accept that as as uh, solid evidence or a solid contribution of evidence. And that will show how. Uh, valuable we are. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that there are so many stories from you know all of the touch points that you have as an organization in terms of not only the the kids who have come up through the program, but the the people who 
are engaged with the program in terms of, of you know, your staff or your, your volunteers and also the community. And so those collective stories and bringing all of those voices in and creating opportunities to share, you know, that, that multitude of, of angles on this program, um, you know, the, those are, those are the things that, that when, when they're all pieced together, they become this cohesive, really powerful um, opportunity to, you know, to, to really get that point across. Yep, absolutely. And, and one of the things that we aim to do is to really allow mm-hmm. the people to, to tell the story, not just that's that's where the credibility and, and legitimacy of, of what we're saying really comes, you know, comes from is from the people who have experienced. So these kids that we work with, you know, that become teenagers, that become young adults, but still have those memories of, of what they learn from womb work and, and us, too, you know, as as many of the uh, you know current leaders of the organization who started as teenagers, we have stories, you know, to, to show how important and just how necessary a space like womb work is, you know, for, for kids, you know, regardless of your background, who are probably used to mm-hmm. just having their voices suppressed a little bit, you know, because kids. But then you add in all these other societal factors like race, like socioeconomic status, like location, like education, that can further suppress your voice to have a space where your insight is is welcomed and valued and, and what you have to say and your reflection on your life experiences are are not just welcome but needed that just has the potential to change people in such a powerful way and the alumni of wound work the, the current personnel of wound work and and the people that we serve have those kind of stories and, and they're valuable and they're yeah important. for sure are you do you here. keep keep in touch with with the kids who've who've kind of graduated through your program are you are you able to to access you know that end of the of the story spectrum so we do that to a certain extent i think a lot of times we just have those relationships that become so strong we it it, it makes it easy to remain connected sure. we, we just know kids go you know many different ways after we have our time with them so it, it is hard to remain in touch with with every single one but we'll have those kids that decide to join womb work and, and be a part of the organization so i think those those connections that we make that are just profound you know more so than the rest manifest themselves in those kids you know joining us and and being a part of of our yeah that's our, i mean those are certainly really great opportunities to you know, that, that you've created in terms of, of, um, you know, being so excited about a program that you, that you want to be part of it as uh, in an ongoing capacity, I think is, you know, that's a testament to how powerful the things that you're doing are. Um, and you know, there's some data there for sure. It's an interesting concept. I mean, it's oversimplification, obviously in terms of left brain, right brain, but, but we typically, you know, tend to think of, of performance and, um, creativity coming from kind of that right, 
right sphere where the analytics come from the left sphere and and the fact that you're needing to tell that left sphere story or left left hemisphere story um but you're you guys are so rooted in that in that creative mind um it becomes it becomes kind of a challenge huh Yeah, it does. And, and and you're right. One of the things that I, I noticed as I got older uh, with, with wound work is certainly some of the limitations that we had as an organization. So this was an organization that was created by artists. And the creative aspect was always going to be strong, and, and it, it really is a hallmark of, of what we do. But the business side right. of the organization uh, was not as strong. And, and that showed in a lot of ways. We were a, I think we were the definition of a starving artist for, for quite a long time. And, and that wasn't necessary, but it, it, it was just a reality that our business acumen was nowhere near close to our creative acumen. And, and because of some fortunate opportunities, particularly, we w- were able to have a operations and development manager for a few years. And he was elemental in, in building up the administrative and business side of the organization. And even when he uh, transitioned to another another job and, and we had to kind of take over a lot of his duties, we were so much better equipped to, to first understand those uh, necessary elements of a business, which which wound work is, you know, you have to keep the lights on. You have to make sure people are compensated. You have to make sure we take care of all the uh, you know all the, all the day-to-day uh, operation stuff that is required to run an organization of any type. Yeah, exactly. Talking to the logistics, yeah, the logistics of of an organization and just keeping uh, an entity afloat uh, while still being able to retain our creative abilities. Right. So it, it wasn't that we had to be one or the other. We we are able to to be both. And, you know, the work that I do as part of the directorship and, and my wife, who's also an alumnus of, of Woolwork and is part of the administration, we've been able to really maintain the, the work that that he did and, and really mm-hmm. look at how the organization can expand. You know, the conversation that I, I had with, uh, you know, a representative from one of the philanthropic organizations was kind of a, a mind blowing one, you know, where he said, with the work that y'all do. And, and the impact that y'all have, mm-hmm. your budget should be around a million dollars. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was kind of happy with where we were. <laughs> but it, it, it gave me a, it, you know, it gave me a, a goal to, to aim for. You know, how can we have a, a million dollar budget? Because for me, this mm-hmm. is something that a person should be able to do full time and make comfortable pay where they can have all their energy dedicated to the work that we do. So I, I think having that number helps to quantify the right. goals that I had, you know, in mind for the organization. So, you know, pr- prime example with this gift that we received uh, uh, yesterday, we're going to use that to start making some of those changes that we want to see in the organization and, and really plant the seeds of opportunity that I'm confident Right. Our personnel uh, right. will appreciate and take advantage of, and that further expands the story of one work and, and expands the the relationships that we're able to create. Because the most important thing that we have mm-hmm. is is legitimacy and relevant 
and, and, and a reputation. And I, I think that will always be the case. We'll definitely do everything in our power to maintain those things. And, and now we can just show other manifestations of how good we are as an organization, as how good we are as artists, how good we are as public health practitioners, which we also are. And, and that will help facilitate that leap that we that we want to see as an organization. So I'm excited. You know, uh, we got through 2020. Uh, we, despite all the challenges of the year, we were able to remain afloat and, and be very uh, healthy as an organization. You yeah. know, it, it was definitely uh, a big change. And, and the biggest change was a, a lot of our work and performances being virtual. But we can do it. And we have done it. And, and we can do it quite well. So this shows another uh, side of versatility that we now have and, and you know looking to a brighter 2021 i'm excited about the opportunities and and just what where we can go well yeah this year has been particularly challenging um as as everyone has experienced and it's really great to see organizations like like Womark be able to figure figure it out when you're when everything you're doing is very you know, hands-on and in-person, you know, for all of the stakeholders involved to be able to, um, you know, to create that opportunity outside of that, that normalcy. Um, you know, there's some really interesting things that come out of that. And one is your capacity to scale where previous, previously you may have been under the, the assumption that, that that was how you had to do things. And that was the only way, to create that kind of impactful service in your community and with, with the kids that you, that you guys reach out to, but, but being forced into this, you know, virtual world um, and being able to survive that and figure it out and, 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 you know, retain that kind of impact um, really demonstrates how, how, important it is and how, um, how far you can actually expand your mission there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, you know, one of the things that has been very encouraging and, and I think gratifying is how people, this growing number of people and growing number of entities understand us. You know, and, and I think one of the big challenges at the beginning of this organization's history was being understood. Why were we saying the things that we were saying? Why were the performances as mm-hmm. as you know raw as they were? Why were we right. you know why were we talking about the things that we were talking about? Uh, because it was necessary, and as time has gone on, as as we remain consistent with that commitment and as people have just learned and grown uh as 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 time and and society have just revealed things to us they get it now the one thing i say about 2020 uh it was definitely a year of revelation uh a lot of people figured things out (laughs) this year they understood things in in 2020 and that helped them to be directed to i think those who kind of had the understanding beforehand who, who knew how, you know, things went and, and what the reality of uh, life was. And work has been a place like that. 
And instead of, you know, being uh, upset or being angry that it took so long, I think we're just grateful that we're here. And our, you know, philosophical shift is, is one of, one from not just solely recognition and acknowledgement, like you have to see us, you need to see us, you need to acknowledge our presence. It's, it's really about collaboration. Uh, we, we see each other and we need each other in, in order to have the best life uh, for each other. And that's helped as well. You know, just kind of having a, a patience, you know, we talk about patience as a virtue. It definitely is patience and, you know, modesty. You know, just to say, to just, yeah, you know, we don't need to be arrogant. We know how good we are, but we are focused on the gratitude that people are willing to support us and to continue the work that we do. And I, I think that really takes you a long way, you know, just as much as. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely do. been a, I think you, you said it kind of a transformational um, experience that we've all had over the last, the last year. Um, and I think. I think it's great to see how many people have come out of that with a, a new perspective and a new uh, approach to maybe how they're going to treat everyone else. And, and it certainly can be discouraging to, to kind of focus on the negatives, but it, um, it, it's great to hear how your organization does take these, you know, powerful, painful um, stories, but create an opportunity for change around them. Um, at least that's, that's what I think I, I heard you say earlier on. Um, so it's, it's incredible to, to be in that space and to have that opportunity, particularly with, with kids who I think are, are being disproportionately, um, challenged by all of this and, and, you know, perhaps neglected by society in, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And, and that's been uh, an unfortunate reality even before 2020 one of the most powerful things that one word does is to elevate the voice of youth. You know, the generations that come after us have, you know, the benefit of, of greater objectivity. So they can look at how society is. They're not as completely of it as we are uh, as adults. And they can say, that's not right, or that's an injustice, or that needs to change. And that's what we're seeing. You know, we're seeing the generations uh, that are coming after us look at how our world is and they're saying, I don't like it. It's not right. It's not serving the greater good. So it needs to change. And those youth are empowered by voice. They they have platforms by which they can share their truth and people will listen and people will acknowledge it. Woonwork has, has wanted to be a platform for, for youth to, to share their voice and their truth and continues to be that. And, you know, through this creative platform, through the performing arts, there's so much truth that we've been fortunate to share with people. And we know it's changed people for the better. If for no other reason, then they have greater understanding and greater acknowledgement of how the world is. And that acknowledgement can be a catalyst for change. We, we want the world to be better. We want We want people to change for the better. We want people to see each other and acknowledge each other mm-hmm. and ultimately love each other. You know, we're not afraid to say that we love is the ultimate force. So why as a society would we not want that for each other? So that, yeah, I, I want to, and, and, and when we want people to love more, 
love harder, love stronger, love more uh, genuinely. And, you know, a part of love is, is understanding a person's truth. So, you know, we are we are happy. We are proud. We are committed to be a platform for truth. I, I love it. I think it's just such um, such an important message to to get out there, and and that's one of the things you know within history is if if we don't tell those stories and if we don't allow you know if, if we just continue to push those down because they aren't stories that we want to that we're comfortable hearing or or that we're comfortable with, then there's no capacity or no no opportunity for change. Um, you know, if we just continue to bury everything in the sand. Um, so I think it's, it's super important what, what you guys are doing to get, um, you know, to allow, um, those stories to be told and and shared and, and, um, inspected and, and then we can attempt to, to hopefully make some, some good positive change out of, out of those situations. Definitely. And, and, uh, again, 2020 is man. We're gonna remember this year for a long time. <laughs> it, it, you saw how much came to a boiling point, you know. So uh, yep. people can only be suppressed for so long. You know, their voices and their truth and their insight can be, you know, disregarded for so long. So it behooves us as a society to, at the very least, and we're talking the most basic thing you can do: listen to each other. And listen to each other with, I think, the spirit of, of understanding. You may not completely understand it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, some things just don't make sense. I think we we understand that, too. But to, to have an open mind and an open heart uh, doesn't mean you, you just immediately accept what another person says, but you give them the respect to acknowledge their story and, and to listen to their story. And until they show otherwise, you know, we, sh- we operate as such. So for mm-hmm. me, that's a that's a powerful tool. That's a powerful um, approach to, uh, again, helping make the world better. I, I, I don't I think in the grand scheme, we're not as far away as we think. There's just a lot of minutiae that have made things complicated. But at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. And, and, and the way I put it is, you know, when our time comes, when it is, you know, our time to transition, we likely won't be thinking about the money that we made, any any property that we had, uh, or even any accomplishments. We'll think about the people in our lives, the people that loved us, the people that cared for us, the people that thought about us. So for me, the, the question that I ask society is, why should we stop anyone from having that opportunity to be acknowledged, to be appreciated, to be respected and understood and ultimately loved. And what we're yeah. all about. Well, that's just a, that's just a fantastic uh, mission. And, um, you know, I'm just really excited about the capacity to expand that and, and see, you know, how you guys build on that. Um, one of the things you touched on earlier was this idea of operations and how um, 
you know, you were, you guys were a bunch of creatives who were challenged with, with the idea of running a business. And, and when you plugged, you know, the, the operations guy in that you saw a, a big leap in those opportunities. What, what do you, other than taking the, the knowledge and, and the experience of having that person on, on your team for some period of time, are, are you planning to do anything to kind of uh, repeat that performance? Yeah. Well, I, at the, at the, at the minimum, we want to maintain it. And I would mm-hmm. say we, we're having those important discussions that for a long time were very easy for us to just kind of ignore, you know, be so mm-hmm. wrapped up in, in our programming and, and just doing the work of the art that we just didn't think about the business. But now we have people uh, such as myself, such as such as my wife and others who can really just have the time to think about the business side and, and to mm-hmm. have a commitment to goals as an organization, as really a, a place of employment, you know, people people's livelihoods are connected to the work that we do, and it's because it's so encouraging to hear how valuable we are and how valuable we could be. That that really just gives us the, the kick in the pants to to go for it and to know that we can be a solid business, a a space in which people can. Uh, be economically sustained for themselves Mm -hmm. and their families while producing top quality arts and culture that has this very intentional focus on improving the health and well-being of the populations that we serve. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. For a long time, we thought they were mutually exclusive, Uh, but they're not. Uh, But what it does does require are, are people who can be committed to both aspects of, of, of the organization. That's that's a reality. And the right. guy that we had for a few years was able to commit himself to the organizational side, the, the administrative and business side of the organization. And that was just one guy. And I, I he right. did a hell of a lot. He really, really did. I mean, there were very basic things that we as an organization just didn't do that he had right. the time and energy to, to put those things in place. And it, it's almost like night and day. You know what I mean? Someone just taking the shades out of your eyes and it's like, well, you can see so much clearer. So I, I think what was so necessary for wound work were those basic things. And, and now that we are doing them and we're used to it and we see the benefits, now we can take those next steps to, again, further strengthen our uh, financial and organizational uh, s- uh, structure. And, and that's right. what I'm excited about because, again, we have, I think we have what we need. We have support. We have cachet. We have a reputation. We, we have those things that allow us to do what we're looking to do on the organizational side. Now we just have to find the right spaces, find the right voices and the right ears uh, that will understand our story and will see the larger contribution that we're making. And we'll get to that million dollar budget. You know, we'll be able to be mm-hmm. an organization where people can work, you know, full time if they so choose. That is yeah. within our capability. We just have to put in the work. But I think the components that we need in order to make the work matter uh, and to make the work count, we have it. Oh, that's awesome. Have you have you bumped up against that? You, I heard you say the right ears, which I think is just a great, uh, <laughs> great way to put it. Um, but that that audience, have you I mean, it, 
is the is the check that you received uh, this week or, or yesterday? Is that coming from that type of person that you, that you think has the right ears? I do. And, and, and this particular funder, we, we've had uh, a previous relationship with. So they certainly are aware mm-hmm. of, of the work uh, that we do. And I would have to say they they really appreciate it. <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's shown by this gift that they provided. Uh, again, you know, didn't ask for it. It was just given. I, I think as as time has passed and as, you know, certain people get in positions of power who are, are able to, to see a greater view of the work that arts and culture contributes to uh, not just Baltimore, but really this whole mm-hmm. country and our society, they are apt to provide the support and, and provide the uh, necessary resources to make sure that becomes a, a solidified part of communities. And right, right. That's, that's where one work is. That people understand how important we are. They understand how uh, beneficial we've been to communities and the people within it. And, you know, those who, you know, perhaps have heard of us for a while, but were only able to just give their support, you know, to say, Dog, mm-hmm. great, keep doing it, are now able to say, okay, here's the, the money that you need. Here's the support that you need. Here are the resources that right. you need in order to make sure something like this never goes away. So I, I think really, it really has been a, a story of patience and a story of, of confidence in the approach that we have taken, which again, you know, was not looked on highly in the beginning, but as we have continued with it, and certainly we've had our own evolution as well. People understand the value. They, they see us as valuable and, and they see us as, Again, just contributing to the health and well-being of of communities, and they right. want it to continue, and we want to continue. So it, it really is a, a mutually beneficial relationship that we've been able to uh, generate and create with with many entities and many people. Well, that's that's great. There are a few things that you've said throughout our conversation today that I think really stand out for me, and the first was something you were talking about early on, where you had some meetings or a meeting where you were in front of some people and you didn't even ask them for anything. And, and that is a really key component to relationship building, um, that we espouse at, at my organization, um, which is essentially that marketing is all about creating relationships and whether that's a really easy relationship to create, where, which is, you know, here's this inexpensive widget that I, that my, uh, you know, that, that some business produces and the consumer needs that thing. And, and so it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm taking a leap of faith that this is going to be the, the right, uh, you know, tool or, or widget that I need to, to fix whatever problem I'm having. Or if it's a longer term relationship building, like what you are undertaking to get people really on board with your program and, and provide that, um, you know, financial and, and just, uh, you know, personal support that you're looking for, um, just understanding that that's the goal here. It's not how quickly can I transition this person from uh, a stranger to a donor or, or whatever. It's, it's really all about putting in the time and, and understanding how that, that connection is going to build over time. And I think that 
you know, as performers, you probably have a really pretty innate ability to understand how, how relationships are built over a period of time, because that's kind of what happens in performances and, and in storytelling. And, and, um, you know, we've all been to a movie that, that was just full throttle the entire time. And you come out of there exhausted and never really want to see that movie again versus the standard kind of story arc, which has a lot of ups and downs in it and relationships are the same way and understanding when to, when to you know push on the gas and when to maybe coast a little bit and give people some breathing room. Um, you know, that's all part of, of, of that storytelling um, stuff that you guys do on a daily basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've always known from the very beginning just how powerful stories are. You know, we're, we're artists, you know, art is storytelling. Uh, so for, for us, our North Star is, is always to uh, engage and empower youth, their families, and their communities. And for right. performing arts, it's been the modality by which we do it. And we, we show the, we show, we've been, we become so much better at just showing the connections with, with anyone. You know, they can be educators, they can be researchers, they can be government officials, they can be, you know, funders. It, it doesn't matter because we don't care about their labels. And that's taking time. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's taking right. time to look beyond labels and to really navigate power. You know, so, you know, one of the things that we've got better at is we don't care how powerful you may be. When you're talking with us and with you, when you're in our space, you are a human being. And that's mm-hmm. and I think we've been able to show how liberating that is. Right. To be human, you know. And, and, and again, when we talk about funders, just, you know, people just see, you know, piles of money. And, and that's all they uh, interact with them for is, is for whatever resources they can provide. Even something as simple as, like you see, you know, the, the meeting that we had and, and just being able to talk. You know, at right people, and you know, ha- have a, a a deep conversation. You know about you know, yeah, relevant issues to to you know nonprofits and and funders, but still, to to really kind of look beyond the surface and, and and challenge ourselves intellectually. That's refreshing, and, and that's lifting. Yeah. And, and, and we hope that people, no matter what their level of power is, no, no matter what their access to capital is see us as as human beings who are expressing our truth and encouraging and empowering people to express their truth and to just help navigate this thing called life, which we all do. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I have a a few friends who have come into a, a decent amount of money. And one of the things that they experience as, as a person, you know, we'll just say of power, um, is that they're always on guard for the ask. And so when you can come at that from a fresh perspective of you're just wanting to listen and, and have a conversation, I think that that, um, you know, that can be such, such an important thing for both parties in that, um, you know, you're not, you're not really trying to get something you're trying to you're trying to give and and that's what relationships are all about is, is both the give and the get and allowing each party to, to kind of live within, within both of those experiences at, you know, maybe at the same time as, as that relationship builds is, is, uh, is pretty key. Absolutely. And, and, 
you know, this is not to say that when we build relationships, we don't understand what we can, like you said, what we can get out of it. I, you know, we're we're aware of that, and and mm-hmm. we, those with whom we connect that have those means are aware of it too. But it, it doesn't mean that it, it can't be more than that. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't right. mean that it, it's just about you know the checks that you sign and, and whatever support you you throw. But we are able to be seen as as partners, as collaborators in the efforts to make the world better. And I think sometimes funders just need to be reminded of that. You know, they, yeah. I think in their hearts they believe it, but they just caught, get caught up in the minutiae as we talked about. There's just so much minutiae and, and so many intricacies that can take us away from the main point, the, 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 the reason for all this, the purpose. Right. And sometimes just having a conversation or having a connection that just reminds you, yeah, this is why you you do this. As frustrating as it can be, you know, as, as challenging it can be, you do this because you want to make the world better. You want people to be happier. That reminder goes a long way, too. And, you know, yeah. you, even as a researcher, you know, I, I think about that as like we do this because we want the world to be better. And, and our way of making the world better is for people to understand the world. But we get caught up in the minutiae and we forget that sometimes. So I, I think. Yeah, you should never downplay those opportunities to just connect and, and and be human and, you know, whether explicitly or implicitly remind people why they do this in the first place. You know, things like this are, are usually labors of love. They, they do it out of a concern for their people, their family, their communities, and they jump into this work, this which typically doesn't pay, you know, you know, this is not uh, the most lucrative space in the world. So you're doing this, <laughs> you're doing this for a greater good. And, and even funders, you know, are, are doing this for a greater good. You know, you, you know, think about the reason why endowments begin or, or, right. or, you know, memorial funds begin. It's because those who passed on, those who had the foresight to leave money, say, take this money and make the world a better place. And, and yep. those opportunities uh, allow us to, to remind ourselves of, of that purpose. Yeah, really well said. I I I've, I've had such a great time talking with you today and I can't believe it's been an hour already. Um, how can people find you? What, what would you, where would people, where would you guide people to go to, to learn more about womb work? So they can visit us at, uh, W O M B W O R K uh, com. Uh, they can find us on uh, social media. So we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, those are the best ways to connect with us. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me personally, please feel free. Uh, I can be reached at david at wombwork.com. Uh, I like emails, so I will definitely respond <laughs> uh, to your email. I'm always checking. So, yeah, please. Uh, and, and find us on YouTube. So there are videos from, you know, recent performances as well as performances from the way, way back, you know, when we began as an organization. So you can see our evolution uh, as an organization, as artists, but you can also see the consistency in the messages that we delivered. And if you are so inclined, connect with us, support us, and and just uh, help us help us make the world a better place because that's all we want to do. That's great. Well, that kind of is a great uh, tee into my last question for you today. I'm all about having great conversations, but I also want to try and foster some action. And, and that's what womb work is all about. Um, so if if the listeners to today's show were to do one thing after after listening to the, to the show today, it could be anything, take a walk, you know, go give somebody a hug. What, what would you want people to do? What action would you want them to take? 
Ooh. Tell someone you love them. I think that's a great thing to do. Yeah. It's, it's, it never gets, I don't want to say it never gets old. Well, it never gets old to be told that you love. But one of the things that we hear about, especially in a year when there's been so much tragedy and, and so much sadness and trauma, a lot of people say, I wish I had a chance to tell them I love them. You know, or, or the first thing they think about uh, when they remember a person is they love them. So those words are, are powerful and the actions behind those words are also powerful. So I would say, tell someone that you love them and show someone that you love them. Perfect. I love it. Thanks for being on the show today, David. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you so much. There you have it. Another great Talk episode to of Relish right. This. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. While you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you would like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week with another great episode of Relish This.